To trust or not to trust, that is the question. Let's talk a little bit about the zero trust environment in cybersecurity, how it applies to your life as a whole, how it applies to our industry, and in particular, the Internet of Things, where some of those things are large things like pipelines and like automated trucks. My name is Chris Joslin. I'm your host, and welcome to this edition of Jaws Bites. Welcome back, everybody. This is Chris Joslin, your host, bringing you another episode of Jaws Bites. And today we have a great opportunity to listen in on an expert in the cybersecurity industry, Mr. Mitchell Rosen, who is the Global Director Solutions Engineer for a company called Keeper uh, Security. We've got him on board, and, and I sat down with him a little bit earlier today and was able to, to go over some questions and get some answers and, and frankly, he both it got me excited about the future of technology and where we're going both in this industry and as a nation as a whole, but he also got me a little frightened as to some of the things I haven't been doing right to secure my um, infrastructure, my company's infrastructure, my personal infrastructure. As always, we are brought to you by uh, ilovelogistics.com, www.ilovelogistics.com coming across your screen hopefully right about now. And we are an aggregated and curated website that brings you content, trying to start a community that really identifies with the transportation logistics supply chain industry as a whole, but brings it out of the shadows, so to speak, brings important principles, important elements of our industry and things that are happening in the world around us and uh, getting that community a better understanding of what's going on out there. We invite you as always to hang in there with us, listen to us on, a, on one of your podcast platforms, or watch us on our YouTube channel, uh, Jaws Bites, J-O-Z-B-Y-T-E-S, and, and see what we're up to, see who are we talking to, see what kind of information we're bringing out into your attention. Join us today, and welcome aboard to Mitch Rosen. Mitch, I really appreciate you joining us today, and, and it's, it's a treat for me during any of these podcasts I do, any of these video casts I do to bring someone on that knows kind of the technological aspects of where we're going in the future. But uh, again, I introduced you a little bit in a preamble earlier, but if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your background, that would be a great thing for the audience to get to first. Is this where I also tell everyone that uh, you and I go way back and uh, I know where all the, uh, the bodies are buried and, uh, you know, if, uh, if you don't treat me right, you know, this podcast is going to be, uh, you know, yeah, more damaging that, to you exactly than you realize. Right. But luckily I'm going to, in, in post, I'm going to go, I'm going to put a, like a, a block out in there and just still hear a beep through the whole thing that whole. <laughs> right. And the body's buried in beep. Exactly. And then over beep. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, thanks Chris. I appreciate you in, inviting me on and, and hopefully we'll try to keep it somewhat professional. Um, but I've been in the uh, in the IT industry for well over 30 years, right? Just out of high school, joined the Navy and uh, started my uh, electronics training. And of course, you know, electronics evolved into computers and networking and, you know, eventually, uh, you know, 
doing that for a number of years, you start focusing in different areas. And, and my journey has eventually taken me into cybersecurity, where I have specifically focused on privilege account management and, and enterprise password managing solutions and really kind of looking at the behaviors and looking at you know how to guard the most sensitive data, which is all protected through um, passwords, right? And really kind of looking at, at password management as mm. a uh, you know, a, a new line of defense, right? It used to be um, security was all about uh, preserving the the network. Um, now it's really all about endpoint security because people, especially mm. with the pandemic, people aren't necessarily all in the same network, right? They're working all right. over the place. And so it's less concerning now to, to protect, you know, a single network and, and trying to keep people from bouncing inside that, that area as it is now to protect the computers and, and to protect the access, right? Because right? as things are moving more to the cloud, it's not even so much, you know, if you look at what's on your computer, yeah. there's probably a not not a lot of really important stuff in there, but, you know, you're storing things in, in, uh, in uh, you know, Google Docs and you're storing things in, in Microsoft's cloud and you're storing things right. in Dropbox. And, you know, depending on if it's a SMB or if it's a midsize or enterprise, right? Everybody's got their kind of storage area there. And right. if you can gain access to those storage areas, now you can get access to the real data. So, okay. you know, it's it's funny because two things you mentioned right there really kind of jump out at me. Number one, part of your part of your professional career has been actually studying the behaviors so that defenses can be created to, you know, fend off these malicious attacks and things like that. That's very interesting because most of the time you think about IT professionals and programmers and cybersecurity and all this, you think about structure, at least I do. You think about the detail and the structure and which gatekeeper you need to, which gate you need to keep closed and which you need to open and what you need to watch for and all those kinds of things. But the behavior on the other side of it, the elements of those malicious attacks probably show pattern, right? And then, sure. and then the second thing you mentioned is, is that, you know, th this pandemic has kind of created a lot of different paths we didn't expect to go down quite as quickly as we did. Um, but one of the things it did is it, you've lost the ability to wall off your business the way you used to. The firewalls aren't the same. The, the, the fences that you put up, the guards against all this stuff through VPN and everything has, has to be extended out much further than it used to be. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in, in my profession, right, uh, working for an enterprise password management solution, we talked to a lot of companies and, uh, you know, they're very forthcoming and we have NDAs in place uh, to yeah. kind of protect that. But, you know, as we dialogue about this, start hearing different trends and different things that are coming more and more common, right? More things are going to the cloud, right? It used to be Active right. Directory was kind of the sole means of, of hey, in order to log into the, to the domain, right, to get access to the network, right, it starts with your Active Directory, Active Directory credential. Mm -hmm. And while that's still in existence, it's also slowly fading away, right? Active Directory is being replaced by Azure, right? Azure Active right. Directory, which I know they call it Active Directory. That's more of a marketing thing than it really is a technology <laughs> right. thing, right? It, it's yeah, it's a different beast. Um, but it's no longer, you know, doing what it once did, right? It's literally just an identity now that people have and mm -hmm. being able to authenticate to these SaaS solutions, these cloud solutions give, you know, authentication to different services that are all cloud-based. So more and more things are, are going to the cloud and mm -hmm. it's no longer, like you said, it's not the network anymore, right? Having a VPN, right. you know, while companies still have it, 
more and more companies are, are not really putting prioritization in a VPN. In fact, the VPN always slows everyone down, right? Well, isn't that really just an anonymizer overall? I mean, there's more to it than that, right? But isn't it primarily an anonymizer? It's an anonymizer. I mean, on a personal basis, it's an anonymizer, right? In, mm -hmm. in a professional basis, it's another door to get into the perimeter. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. And if you don't have the right access to get in that perimeter, you should be blocked from having you know, access to data and, and whatnot. And that's where sure. malicious users are trying to figure out, well, if I can find out your password, your VPN, I can now pose as you and get into that inner circle and you know, find my way around the network and find, mm -hmm. you know, they're always looking for the next better credential, right? You right. might not have a lot of data based on your position, but if I can use your position to get into the network, and then once I'm cool. on the network, I can look around and look for other credentials that might be stored there that have more permissions and use those to find something else. And, and so it's like a cascading event, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's all about navigating around to eventually find the payload, right? And once they can gain access to the database and then they can gain access to the infrastructure, they can exfiltrate all that data, put it on the dark web, and now they're right. you know serving up your credentials, not just for you individually. Now they're marketing but, you. Exactly, right? So all, all those things are occurring and, and that's where mm -hmm. you know th these malicious users are going to. And, and well, if they can, let's say, find a, a privileged account, right? Something that, that protects the domain or whatnot, they put that on the dark web. If I'm a, a ransomware guy, right, I can buy ransomware, right? I don't even have to create right. it. Right? I just go to the to the dark web, buy some ransomware software, go to the dark web, find a, a privileged account on your network, and I just basically have, have outsourced the hard work. I log in, drop drop the uh, malware in, and now your your system is locked down until you pay me millions of dollars, right? And that's basically wow. what happened with the Colonial Pipeline. I, I was just going to mention that, of course, and as, as far as my industry is concerned, I, you know, pipelines are not usually looked at in, in the transportation, you know, infrastructure world the same way as, as I've been used to talking about in these video and podcasts. But it, in reality, it's the same thing. I mean, it, you know, all the way from Houston up to Linden, New Jersey, with a lot of branches from there, it was about, I believe, about 45% of the fuel for the East Coast was down. And you could see the snowball effect just at the price of the pump. And, and you know, that, it, it, we'll get into this in a second, but I I, I think that, that it's, it's kind of like a bigger version of the, you know, IoT, right? The Internet of Things. This is just one big thing that is accessed in, in the same manner that people talk about when, when oh, I, got, I got to take a side tangent here because I, I watched something on, I think it was Netflix the other day. It was kind of a funny um, uh, cartoon movie called, uh, I think it was Mitchell and the Machines or something like that. So if you haven't watched it, it was fun. It was a fun watch. Right, and some great comedy good. and stuff. But, but it, you know, it, during this movie, there's a, a point in which all of these appliances and things all had this little sticker on them that made, they, they had some kind of AI in them, right? So the Internet of Things was, and I won't get into the whole story because it's, it's worth a watch, but to me, the, the, the security around that, I don't know how anybody in your field is dealing with that amount of detail that's out there because everything's got a chip in it now. Yeah, so, I mean, that's definitely uh, a concern is someone figuring out how all this AI is, is programmed 
you know, and finding a, a path into that code so that you can rewrite the code, push it out to all these things that are probably going back routinely, you know, checking in and saying, Hey, do I have a firmware upgrade? Right. You know, do I need right. to, do I need to improve on, on that? Usually it's for good security reasons, but if you have a malicious user going in there and, and they've broken in and, and are acting as someone else that has the ability to change the code, right. They could very well push out a firmware upgrade to, that now makes these, uh, you know, harmless IOT devices now, some sort of malicious, you know, uh, cyber army that they could, you know, turn on microphones mm -hmm. and cameras and, and, and right. anything else. I remember there was, I think Samsung television had that issue a number of years ago where their cameras on their TVs in your front room would come on in, maybe they were taking pictures, maybe they're just listening. I have no idea, but, but you don't even know. And of course, all the personal assistance and everything. So you can really go down a, a, a trail of, you know, seeing where the technological edge we're reaching can be in and of itself just filled with enough flaws that can be attacked by these malicious entities to do a lot of things we don't want them to do. I don't even know what they want to do for the most part, except to your point, I never really even thought about this. I think about a lot of these cyber attacks and ransomware is certainly very clear. It's easy to understand. You can see why people do that to get Bitcoin or whatever they're doing. But the other side of that that you just mentioned that I hadn't really thought about it from both a business side and a personal side is selling that data on the dark web the way they do. So they compile lists like anybody else, I would imagine, with particular content or particular access codes into your systems. And I would imagine the gateway for the Internet of Things in general, and maybe I'm using the terminology wrong, maybe there's a better way to talk about it, but isn't it primarily your Wi-Fi systems? Because you've got the internet that comes into the home and the business, et cetera, and then the Wi-Fi systems. Isn't that the susceptible doorway or the most susceptible doorway that we have to look at? It's it's a doorway, right? I mean, anything connected mm -hmm. to the internet, right? Whether you're hardwired or whether you're, you're Wi-Fi, I mean, that's mm -hmm. all, all one and the same in, in the big scheme of things. But it's the fact sure. that by having a device connected to the internet means you potentially have someone that, that's trying to... to Break in, right? There's a lot of uh, um, a lot of infrastructure things out there that have networks that are off the grid deliberately, right? You know, mm -hmm. where they won't connect a computer to the internet, they won't download anything. They'll do it on, on another network that is connected, and then they'll what we call sneaker net, right? They'll put it on a disk and bring it over after right. it's been scrutinized, and only then do they. Uh, add it into that closed network to prevent any sort of, of malicious user from being able to take over the, the, that, you know, those sort of infrastructures. So how, how does the industry reconcile this desire of not only the populace, but everything from governments to, to small to large businesses that want everything interconnected just for the data resource? How does it reconcile that with the whole idea of protection? Is it all based on uh, more extravagant, extravagant versions of encryption. Is that, is that the, the kind of thing that's, because I, you know, I know, I mean, the, the name of the company you work for it, it, keeper security is it talks about, I mean, when I think of that, it, it comes to mind password security, specifically password security. I know you do a heck of a lot more than that, but that seems to be, I read somewhere that over 75% of all hacks 
start with that one element, the password. Exactly right. I think the statistics we have are 81% of all breaches originate with with a a password. Um, when you look at like the hygiene of a password, right? Um, you know, generally when I start talking to someone about password security, the mm -hmm. easiest way to conceive it is if I asked you if you use the same password on your Facebook account as your bank account, if you answer yes on that, you've got a password problem, right? Yeah. Where most people fail in thinking about passwords is they they're under the old paradigm of I need to know my password can't write it down because that's not secure so I have to memorize it and so as a result they use the same password everywhere or a close enough variation so that they can remember what it is or remember kind of their go-to you know process right it's the same word right. with the same date and maybe they add a one or you know an exclamation point at the end or something like that and they'll just keep okay. running through those until they you're, you're figure coming out way too is. close to guessing my passwords right now i can tell no i'm just kidding i'm, not, I'm a little better than that but not but that but th that's the question really i mean i mitch i see every time you sign up for a new website there's you know, several different layers of things you can do depending on the protocol that that website gives you. And you got to look at that too, HTTPS, right? Versus secure versus not secured. But I mean, the passwords they come up with, I I don't know. I, I mean, the computer will remember them, but isn't that a problem too? Well, you know, the stored in your browser is a problem because right. if you walk away from your browser, guess what? Anyone can walk up and go to your browser and export that data. Um, mm -hmm. And this is really where a password managing solution makes a lot of sense, right? Most security professionals, right, like 99% of them would recommend a, a password managing solution because they're encrypted, right? And ours specifically is encrypted in multi-layers, right? So if you have a thousand records in your vault, you're going to have a thousand unique AES 256-bit encrypted records that contain each of your passwords. And when you no longer are trying to memorize all your passwords, but you're allowing it to, to develop a, a complex and strong and unique credential and allow it, allow the technology to fill that in for you, whether you're on a mobile device or using a web browser or even our, our desktop application, you mm -hmm. know, you suddenly now have a much better hygiene, right? And when you're not using the same password, your risk of having a password that's compromised and inevitably it's gonna happen. You're gonna create a password on a site, that site's gonna get breached sure. and that password's gonna to go to the dark web. And once the dark web has it, if you're reusing that password somewhere else, you're now susceptible in multiple areas. But if you limit it to only one unique password per login type, you'd greatly reduce your risk and you're only susceptible on that one, right? I just got a notification saying uh, Park Mobile had a breach and so mm -hmm. the first thing I, I did on that is, uh, you know, through Keeper, I have BreachWatch added. So I'll get notified when that password is found on the dark web. But I didn't even wait for that. I went ahead and rotated it right away so they wouldn't be so, able to log in as me on Park Mobile. So the question this brings up for me, just while you're discussing this, this password, um, I guess the lack of a better way to put it, the amount of detail a password has for the encryption level. Uh, the first thing that comes up to me is if I have something like Password Keeper that you're talking about, which is basically a a wallet for passwords, something like that, or keychain of some kind. When you have something like that, what's to stop somebody from being able to breach your company or somebody else's company's reserve of that information? 
Yeah, good question. So we're what's called a zero knowledge solution or what some people refer to as a zero trust solution. Um, okay. Because for us specifically, the encryption all occurs locally, right? So when you launch Keeper as an application and you create a new record for, you know, let's say you're logging into a new site for the first time and, and you use Keeper to randomly generate your, your credential and you store mm -hmm. it inside there, all the encryption decryption occurs locally. So the only thing really you're using the cloud for is to synchronize the ciphertext, right? The gobbledygook. The, okay, gotcha. Already <laughs> is that a technical word, gobbledygook? Gobbledygook is a technical <laughs> word. Use it all the time. Um, so really all we're doing is we're synchronizing what the local app has encrypted and only mm -hmm. sending the ciphertext up to the cloud. And that can synchronize now to your phone and your other devices um, gotcha. in, in a protected mode. And only once you log in, right, either through a, a master password, which is what mo most users do, or, or for businesses that have integrated single sign-on, right, only then does it decrypt it once they're back in the application. And so, you know, you know it, through it's so funny because you use the term uh, zero trust or zero, zero, zero trust is what I've heard of before. I, you said it a little differently than I, but I, I kind of always thought that was a, an odd term to use because I don't know, you know, you know, the old thing I used to hear all the time was, you know, trust, but verify. Now it's don't trust anybody and verify every time. And, right. you know, that's, that's, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. But I, I guess with what we're talking about, especially when you broaden the scope of that and talk about whether it's pipelines, whether it's, uh, you know, the internet of things, you, it can be your, your freaking refrigerator. You can put a list on it now and send it to the local place to pick up your groceries nowadays. I think you can even set that up to do, but the, in my world, in the transportation logistics world, supply chain, of course, everybody is driving quickly toward this idea of autonomous vehicles, autonomous trucks, things like that. Matter of fact, I, I think that they, they're predicting in the next five or six years that about 1.7 million commercial trucks with a high level of autonomy, because there's, you know, kind of five levels of autonomy though, from, you know, nothing except you behind the wheel to it does it all yourself or that itself. And I, I see it, it's, there's no turning back from it. It's coming. But I think about that and I think, okay, you have the vehicles that have technology in them that can be attacked. You have the technologies on the outside that are monitoring the vehicles that can be attacked. You've got proximity alert embedded into the road and rail infrastructure that can be attacked. I mean, my gosh, I, I don't know how they can overcome all this. I guess everything will have to have a pilot in it in my mind, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, everything's a count and mouse game, right? You, you try mm -hmm. to make them as secure as possible and, and invariably there's gonna be somebody out there that wants to infiltrate it and, and has right. nefarious uh, goals set to it. And so, as a little vulnerability is disclosed, right? Somebody will fix it. And then another vulnerability is disclosed and someone will fix it. And, and hopefully in this process, we don't run into any huge catastrophic uh, situations, right? Pipelines, Suez Canal. <laughs> Which I mean, <laughs> if you think about the pipeline while having large ramifications and I'm, I'm in the South, right? We got hit hard, right? right? There, you know, it, I know they said the state of Georgia had 45% of the gas stations hit in my area, it was more like 90% of the gas stations were hit, right? We had to drive 
long and hard and, and go to four or five gas stations in order to get gas because everybody was out already, right? It was like going back to the 1970s and voting for Jimmy Carter again. You know, yeah. it was it was challenging, but you know, all that to say is, is there will be some more issues. This won't be the 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 last time we hear about a, a ransomware attack because they're relatively simple, right? They're easy, right? Especially when organizations aren't protecting the keys of the kingdom, aren't using good strategies to protect their identities and, and leverage strong and unique credentials. I mean, that, that's that's low-hanging fruit in the security world. Well, and I, I think to, to your point, the it's, it's low-hanging fruit, especially for SMBs too, because, you know, these small and medium businesses oftentimes are trying to compete with the big guys. They don't have the, the pocketbook to do a lot of the things maybe that are required today to keep technologically ahead of the game. And I, I know a number of, of truckers here in Southern California over the course of my career out here within the last 10 years, really, that have been attacked with ransomware and have, I don't know any of them that haven't paid up, to be honest with you. So it's, it's, and, it's and a difficult what, thing to, to deal that's with. That's why it's an attack vector that's going to be used is you, you hit the mm -hmm. nail on the head. Everybody pays, right? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. So two things happen there, right? Number one, you, you pay and you hope that they're going to honor the payment in order to relieve it. And, and mm -hmm. surprisingly, there is a little bit of a, you know, uh, well, if they didn't there. honor it, if they didn't honor it, then everybody stops paying, right? That's kind of the, yeah. the cat and mouse game you're talking about. But really. the real important thing is organizations, whether they're an SMB, midsize enterprise have to mm -hmm. recognize the cost of having something like an enterprise pasture manager is significantly, I mean, by large amounts, less money than it is to pay on the, on these ransoms. Right. I mean, you look at our, yeah, our solution, I, I, right. I you. you're, you're talking thousands of dollars a, a year to, to support uh, having an enterprise pasture manager or millions of dollars after the fact. Right. So you either pay now in the, in the form of protection or you pay and you pay dearly later on in the mitigation aspect. Yeah, you can pay me now or you can pay me later, as the old saying goes. And and I, I agree. I'm an advocate for the same thing. It's, you know, I think the unfortunate part isn't it isn't that these small and medium businesses don't want to. It's oftentimes that they don't they're, they're wearing all these different hats. They're moving as quickly as they can to just kind of survive the the putting out the fires each day and managing their their company to uh, some kind of degree of success. And the last thing they think about is somebody is going to be worried about their small little company and infiltrating it and putting something up for ransom. But that's exactly what happens. It happens it happens on the claim side of our industry all the time. These these shippers of different sizes will make a decision on the frequency of the possibility of cargo getting stolen. And they oftentimes won't insure themselves properly because it's expensive to do until that one big hit comes. And then all of a sudden they're looking at a, a devastating um, financial proposition either way. So I'm a total advocate. I'm on your side of the fence with that. You got to get some kind of security up. You got to And back to what we were talking about before on the password side of things, the, I'm sure there are other vulnerabilities. There always are. I, I, I know that a couple of years ago, my company had a email spoof situation happen and it was deadly accurate. I mean, literally the, the emails were off by a single letter. 
um, both from and to us from a vendor. And it ended up costing us, I'm not even going to say, cost me a lot of money for, for, to, to rectify that situation. And the, and the banks involved never paid it all back. FBI got involved. And I when I actually talked to them, they kind of looked at me and said, uh, unfortunately, we have much bigger fish to fry. And right. I think that was indicative of me in the first time I really thought, you know what, this cybersecurity side of things is, it's not going away at all. I mean, the technology keeps getting better. There's, you know, blockchain things that can be adapted to kind of be both uh, security wise at a higher level, but also creating a chain of custody that's recognized, right? But I, it, it's tough for me to understand where the next steps are, except get your passwords taken care of, right? Yeah, so. it definitely, you know, the, again, when we look at low-hanging fruit, it's a very low-cost solution with big uh, up, uptick, right? You know, being able to know that, hey, I'm only sharing the credentials with the people that need it. Um, I'm using unique ones. They're protected. They're not just sitting on my network so that if someone does infiltrate the, that infrastructure, that they won't easily have access to to that data. Um, you know, it, it's it's really a, a no-brainer. So other than the financial, though, what are the reasons that, that you know, companies go after this data anyway? I mean, I would think that would be the primary motivation uh, for breaches of any kind. It really is. Or I mean, disrupting the the day, competitors, I suppose. At but the government the day, to government, it, there's probably something else. Yeah, at the end of the day, it, it's all about money, right? Yeah. And, and ransomware being a very easy, easy way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can tell you that I'm, I, I hope to stay under that particular radar. And I, I think um, off camera, we're going to be talking a little bit more about, you know, the kind of solution that, that you have, because uh, maybe my password protected spreadsheet of passwords is not, it's not going to do the trick much longer. Um, and, you know, long ago or the days when I can remember all my passwords, it's, everything requires them. And I, I did hear somewhere that that whole, I think it's called CAPTCHA, is that the, the is am I pronouncing that right? I heard yeah. that was kind of going away, and there's kind of a new form of double verification that's that's coming out to to yeah, make those, sure you're not a robot. Th those captcha things are annoying, right? You pick all the sidewalks, yeah. and everything looks like a sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those, those definitely are, are horrible. I mean, but they serve a good purpose, right? They're trying to prevent mm -hmm. bots from going out there and and just brute forcing everything and and trying to you know you know, crawl the, the internet and, and, and just start punching through and start trying to attempt to log into different things. Right. So mm -hmm. they, they serve a purpose. They're just annoying as all can be. Yeah. And I, I, I would imagine in your industry though, there's gotta be a lot of R and D to try to keep ahead of this stuff, you know, continually updating the, the technology to keep everything secure. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we always talk about when it comes to password management, right. Is you want to protect that, that, entry point, right? So two-factor being a huge one, always leverage two-factor. And if you can do two-factor, not utilizing SMS, you're even in better uh, better shape, right? Um, you know, when you receive a text message with that code, those are actually relatively easy for criminals to to gain access to, right? They can- So what I've seen is either text or email, or is there something different that I'm, Well, I mean, uh, a fob? A fob yeah. would be the best way, I would think. You'd use a fob. I mean, there's things called uh, uh, UB keys, right? They're mm -hmm. they're little hardware devices that uh, basically store a key on there. And instead of doing it over the air, you just plug it in your device and you tap on it. But 
you know, they're not as widely used on everything, right? Some things accept and some things don't. Most things will allow you to set up a TOTP, right? A, a one-time sensitive uh, password to where gotcha. you use a, like an authenticator app, like Google Authenticator or Microsoft Authenticator. And, you know, when you set it up, it gives you a little QR code and you take your device out and, and you take a picture of it and it brings it in. And basically there's a, a seed there with, with a key that, you know, what happens is the server uh, will randomly generate a new code every 30, mm -hmm. 60 seconds. Your device having the same seed generates the same code. It uses the, the timestamp basically to keep them in sync Imagine. so that they know it. And then when it asks you for that that number, right, you can go to your device and say, okay, here, here's the number that it is. And it verifies your identity there, right? Because they have to yeah. be, you know, they have to have that seed, that, that key in order to be able to generate it. Right? You know, in it, our it, product, we have that as part of a record level solution. So it makes gotcha. it easier. Like if I log into Twitter, I can put in my username, my password, and have the TOTP automatically populate using our browser extension. So, you know, being able to have that on each account, right? Having a two-factor is going to protect that identity, right? It's one more thing that they have to do, right? You got to know the password, which the password manager can do, and having two-factor on, you know, and if you can leverage a TOTP, right, now you can allow our solution to populate that as well. So you don't have to pull your phone out to type in those six numbers, which, you know, how many right. times have you had right. it to where either A, you fat fingered the numbers as you put them in, or B, you just got to the very tail end and it changed. <laughs> and it you changes. Didn't get it in fast exactly. Enough. So, you know, yeah. annoying, yes, but definitely better. You know, the reason you can use an SMS is they'll send you the code. But again, if your phone is spoofed, now they know what the code is as well, right? So if Good you point. ever start getting to, you know, if you ever start getting, uh, you know, text saying, hey, you know, someone's trying to log in with your account. Pretty good indication that uh, someone's attempting to to log into your account. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know the funny thing is, is all the stuff you're talking about. It's and the, I I love this. Thank you very much for for running down some of these different things because number one, I I like to I'm I'm certainly not you know Mr. Techie, but I like to be tech savvy enough to understand where things are going and and kind of how I need to fit into things. But I also I recognize that our world with all these different innovations is trying to make our lives simpler, quicker, easier to get things done. But this layer of cybersecurity that you need to put onto it kind of tells you to go, you know, put your brakes on it just a little bit to get these things accomplished so that you don't risk something larger. Right. And that, that is a message that I'm, I'm, I definitely receiving and hopefully people that are watching or listening to this are receiving the same. Yeah, hopefully. So, you know, yeah. if, if anyone walks away from this, right, the, the main thing to know is at a minimum, right, protect your, your entry point, right? You Use unique credentials. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to memorize them. Break down. Get a, a password management solution. There are free ones out there, but you obviously get more features and functionality when you, when you go to a paid solution. And look at the security of those solutions, right? Cause so they're a not password all... management solution is what you're advocating. Exactly. A password manager, right. For consumer side, we would just call it a password manager. Uh, on the business side, we call it an enterprise password manager. Enterprise. Okay. And I'm sure there are different levels of, of uh, things that can be, you know, outsourced in that manner to get it done.
So that's yeah, good. there's different different solutions out there. On the surface, they all look similar, but when you get under the hood, you really see there there's some yeah. huge differences between the different vendors that that provide that service. Yeah, and in for anybody out there that's that's kind of sitting back and just trusting that that you're exempt from the behaviors we're talking about, the malicious behaviors that are out there. Uh, in, in, your technology, one way or another, is out there on the cloud. It's it's being looked at, if not infiltrated yet. And you know, it, it, I will tell you from my experience, it's really only a matter of time before something occurs. And to Mitch's point, the if you start to have some of this knowledge, you can't reel that back and say you don't understand anymore. You don't need to know the the technic technicalities of something like this, but what you do need to know is you need some kind of fence, some kind of protection, some kind of gatekeeper to allow you and and forget the trust and verify, trust first and verify. How about zero trust to begin with for these kind of systems? And, uh, you know, Mitch, I wanted to thank you again for being able to come on for a few minutes and, and spend some time and, and share some of your expertise. I know you got busy day and that, that it, it certainly probably flies by with the number of, of things that are going on out there on a daily basis from large companies to small companies, international, domestic, et cetera, that are being affected by all this stuff. And as the global director solutions engineer, correct, is that kind of the way you're viewed for, for the, for the company, it's, it's gotta be, um, very inundating to keep ahead of the games on this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me and, and yeah, it, it is, um, it's a fun task, right? Being able to help companies, um, improve their security and, and being able to kind of view things in a different light and, and to change the paradigm so that, uh, not just the company is more protected, but each individual at the company is, is protected. Um, and when they start adapting those same um, processes in their personal life as they do their professional life, or many times it happens in their personal life first, and then they bring it over their professional life, um, you know, you really, you get a sense of fulfillment there and, and reward and, and knowing that uh, you're making it that much harder for the bad guys to make any sort of headway. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And Mitch, thanks again very much for spending some time with us. And I hope to get you on. And the next time I get you on, I'm hoping to tell you that I'm totally password protected. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's an endeavor, right? It's, it's, a, it's an ongoing yeah. process. You know, the great thing, yeah. too, is my kids all use it. They know, it, like my boys, if they create a new video game somewhere, they're going to open up Keeper. They're going to create a unique password. They're going to put it in their vault. And then from a dad perspective, I get to see what those are. Oh, yeah, well, hey, that, that's, you know, side benefits of that for sure. <laughs> Exactly. Very good. Yeah. Well, that's the message, guys. And again, I appreciate you uh, coming and, and viewing this and listening to this on the podcast platform of your choice. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks a lot, Mitch. You're welcome, Chris. Special thanks again to Mitch Rosen for joining us today for this conversation. It's been illuminating in, in a lot of different ways, uh, both from a professional and a personal standpoint. And I, I can't uh, thank him enough for spending some time with us. He's an absolute expert in the cybersecurity industry and has an interesting history that uh, with a longer podcast, we probably delved into would have been, would have been uh, a lot of fun. But uh, as always, join us on any podcast uh, platform of your choice, Apple, Spotify, all those, and, and join us at our 
YouTube channel, Jaws Bites, J-O-Z-B-Y-T-E-S, uh, and see us there, any one of the number of podcasts we put together. And most importantly, come join the community at ilevellogistics.com. That's www.ilevellogistics.com. And until next time, we'll be seeing you soon. Thank <laughs> you.